Shadownet, everyone. I'm Phil, aka Zeroth Maxima. Threat level alpha this week. We got some bad words coming. Special guest today. You thought I was going to say Gunslinger, but this one's about worlds, baby. So I had to bring in royalty. It's Brandon King. Yeah, excellent. We're here. Woo! Post Worlds World. How does it feel, Brandon? It feels good. It feels good. Another season in the books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, good one for that. Yeah, Worlds is a great time. Worlds is a blast. Yeah, here to tell us also about the Worlds experience. Bonus guest this week, Will Huang, the champion of Canada. You know him, it's Sokka234. Hello. Worlds is a blast. Obviously, I don't think, you know, I haven't been to an in-person world, so I don't have anything to compare it to. But I think Nisei did, did a wonderful job running it. Yeah. Full agree. Nisei, thank you so much. First order of business, this is a Canadian content podcast. Is there any metrics by which we can say that Canada won Worlds? So I would go that uh, we had great showing. I mean, so shout out to the, the House Hippos crew. We went in to top 16, uh, four out of 16. Hell yeah. Yeah, and three of us made it um, through to the top five. Including yourself, Will. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's not forget that. Amazing job. Huge shout outs to Aaron from Toronto, Shoe Flower, and uh, Ian, a dumb brick. I think Vancouver resident. Yep. Yep. House hippos, baby. Hell yeah. Brandon, how'd you do? Oof. Man, we, <laughs> we had to we had to go there. Uh 84th. <laughs> I think that's better I was, than I did. I was slacking off. I think that's um, a lot better than I did. Uh, you know, in terms of house hippos, just, you know. I scrubbed out, but uh, <laughs> hey, it happens. One thing I will say though, as far as me saying doing a good job of running it, I think one thing that I would say we can definitely make better is outlining what top cut will look like, <laughs> and, like document that properly. So one of uh friends from Toronto, Sad Stuck, you might know him, uh, Kyle. He he mentioned he and I thought it was a good idea. Everyone was gonna come to Toronto anyway, just make it an Eastern time zone thing. Everyone deal with it. So then we can actually have day one seven rounds and then day two another two rounds and not have this like eleven and three bullshit that you have to do to make worlds and I don't know, make it yeah, like make it more accessible for more people to have like a chance. Yeah, making uh, it pinned on Toronto time, I think, is peak accessibility for everywhere that matters, aka Canada. So, <laughs> full agreement to that. No, but all kidding aside, I, I mean, I get why Nisei did what they had to do with, you know, making two different time zones, two different days. It, I think some people wanted it to work a little bit better, but I think overall it was pretty good. Bill, forever the optimist. Class That's me. That's me. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of the listeners were, were kind of listening to what you and Eric were saying in the previous episodes about how having like the two day setup and a cut from both days kind of changes things. Yeah. Um, and it, it like, uh, and I'll talk about it very quickly. I think it's just that from the perspective that you go about the tournament, 
is how it changes you. So what I mean is, if you're looking to make the top cut, like there's some people who are just looking to play and have a good time and the, and like it won't affect those people at all, right? But if you want to know how well you need to do to make the cut and the rules were and how it ended up working, and I think like this was the best way that they could have done it based off the two-day system, was that they were going to do a top 16 cut from both days. The number of people on points above 16 would make it in. So in the top 16, if there was a unique number of mm -hmm. points, those people would make it. And then they would just basically double the number of people based off the remaining slots. So if there were two people, if there were two slots in the top 16 left, they would take the next four people on strength of schedule. Yeah. And the people would do a playoff round. Now, the question becomes, like, what record do you need to make it to day two? Now, the, the answer turned out to be 11 and three. But during day one, like, basically throughout the whole tournament after three or four rounds was we were like, my group was on Discord, and we were like, okay, is 10-4 enough? Is 11-3 enough? Like, how hard do you need to gun for 11-3? And during day one, the answer was not clear. So there were a lot of people, and I think Brandon included, were talking about, like, you know, if you could just get 10-4, and you can just be safe at 10-4, and then maybe you have to play a playoff round on day two. Yeah. But the people who did that, ended up not getting a playoff round at all, right? And if you think about it, the flip side, where if you were on day 1B, you knew exactly what you needed to get, which was you had to get 11-3, and 10-4 wasn't going to cut it. And that was like the slight advantage on that second day. I, I mean, I don't think people can complain about it, because in their world's post, Nisei said, we estimate players with 11 or more wins during day one will qualify for day two, and 10 wins may qualify for a tiebreaker. So that's that's literally exactly what happened, right? Oh, yeah. No, but it makes a huge difference, though, right? Like, if you're if you're in a tournament and you have just some decisions to make, you know, round five and beyond about how you need to play the game, yeah. right? Like, do I need to play? Do I need to ID? Do, like, is it safe? And, like, day two definitely got a super advantage over day one. They, uh, yeah, yeah I they think... knew where like that high watermark mm -hmm. was for sure. For sure, like that, 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 that changes a lot. And when you're the, when you're the people who don't know what's going on, right? Like even at, I remember the, at seven and one, it was like, okay, so you could play for the ten and four right now, but is that safe? Yeah. Right? You could, you could play it out, and you know, if you get swapped, it could it could really damage your chances as well, right? Because when you're at that level, you're playing the best people. So, like, you know, you're really good, but someone else is really good. And so the chances of it going sideways for you is there as well. The not knowing and just having to, well, like, you know, I think everyone picked the best decision, which was just played out and, and just try to get to 11 wins, and that ended up being the decision. But it's just like, it was it a was stressful time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Worlds. It's not supposed to be like a, a relaxing vacation. Just kick back, play some casual Netrunner. It's no, Worlds. But look, no, but look like look at the other side, right? Like, if you look at Heinzel, right? He's 11-1 and one after six rounds. Mm-hmm. And A, why I say they have to fix the system is just because, like, there's no way he should have to play a game. <laughs> that was ridiculous. And then, like, that was just absolutely ridiculous. And, like, at that point, the only reason he's 11-1 and one is because they, you know, they knew what happened 
the day, day before, then you can right. just kick back and everything's mm-hmm. fine, right? Right, right. Collude with some other NWE <laughs> members. Yeah. Just give them free yeah. wins, maybe. I don't know. I didn't follow I it mean, that closely, they, but those those guys did well enough. They didn't need <laughs> <laughs> really good I showing mean, from that as well. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna say, Phil, if you if you're unfamiliar with who they are, they made a nice intro video to uh, tell you who they are. That that was so good, yeah. Badass boss bitch or something, that song. Ah, lovely works from the meme master Labs once again. Labs? Something like that. I don't know. I say Labs. Everyone says Labs and now I feel subconscious. Look, I don't know how to pronounce most words, so I I feel like he'll forgive me at any rate. (laughs) What's the solution here? Do you just two for one from round one? Would that make a better tournament structure? Are we just... (laughs) Are we getting back on on the single-sided Swiss train, is what I'm getting to. Oh, God. <laughs> my, thoughts, my thoughts, actually, from this world was that, yes, there was an advantage for day 1B it, based off what we just talked about. Yeah. But I think that was an advantage that you couldn't work around. And I think that there was a lot of other factors that were in play that made the system good for other reasons. So, for example, like not doing the Toronto time and doing the system that they did allowed for players to be more flexible on when they would play based off their time zone. And I think I understand that there's like a lot of other factors that are in play. And I think like this was just the difference between 1A and 1B based off of like making the cut, I think was just something that just had to happen. I don't see how you can work around that with a two-day system. I think we have different views. <laughs> I mean, I look at the numbers. I think last year, if I remember correctly, in person worlds had like 266. This this had, you know, damn near 300. It wasn't that much more. When people go to in person worlds, they prepare to go and play in the time zone, whatever it's in. They have to deal with that because you had a tournament which had 300 people. You should have it follow the swiss rules for that many people i mean besides that again i think everything else was great so i don't think that should overshadow the greatness of everything else that happened yeah i'm glad it gets the brandon seal of approval (laughs) so that's really hard to get yeah exclusive canada did pretty good but we didn't get quite to the finish line will okay you know how, like, there's the power... Oh, God, you guys are babies. Anyways, once upon Wait, a time, what? there was this show called The Power Rangers, and everyone oh, assumed the Red Ranger was the leader until the Green Ranger got there. Then the Green Ranger turned into a White Ranger. Anyways, it's this whole thing. Will, my point is, are you the leader of the House Hippos or not? Oh, don't ask me that. <laughs> Hold on. I, I, have, I have a complaint. <laughs> Please air well, your grievances, Brandon. Why, A, did you assume that we... Well, first of all, calling us babies is just rude. Second of all, <laughs> you just assumed that we didn't know what Power Rangers were. Wait, is it still us. on the air? I have no idea. So maybe you're just a geezer. Yeah, like, no, why, I fully admit that. <laughs> why are we babies? It can be both. <laughs> uh, no, 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 it's not both. And I grew up <laughs> with the Power Rangers. Come on. <laughs> This is ridiculous. For me, uh, okay, so Power Rangers was, like, around when I was growing up. It wasn't big, but it was just, like, a thing that existed. It doesn't anymore. Not that I see, but it's, like, I I, I knew about them. I didn't watch the show. For the record, yeah. um, for the record, I'm 
I think, I see, assuming that I'm a baby is very valid because Thank based you. on your experiences with Eric and the fact that I'm younger than Eric, um, this is a very, very proud achievement that I have over Eric is that I stole his title of youngest national champion. When he won US Nets, apparently he held the youngest national champion title and then he held it for all of two weeks and then lost it in Edmonton. Just snagged <laughs> it out of his... Oh, so good. Love that story. And it's, and it's fitting because, you know, Eric has just become more and more American over the years, and he lost that title in Canada. It's just very fitting. <laughs> he can't win at home, which is why some suspect he did not win Worlds, is because he lives in the world. Ah, I like it. I'm on board. You guys want to ask me how I did? Is anyone curious? Please, I'm sure. totally curious. Yeah, I'm do interested. Tell. See... I do believe that you didn't play SSO, Phil. What happened? Oh, yeah, I totally fucked up. So I asked the person who I assume is the leader of the house hippos for what the best <laughs> decks would be. And he just gave me these these flaming hot decks. You know, I was like, ah, I should practice these decks. No, I didn't. I did. I just thought they'd carry me. Turns out maybe they didn't. If you would like to hear more, you know, I was walking on the, the slummy side of town and these two guys just jumped me and they said, give me all your content. And uh, so I told them my whole world story for their quote unquote podcast, The Slums Cast. Ugh. Proud tradition of stealing our, our Shadow Knight content once again. We talk about single-sided Swiss, they talk about single-sided Swiss. Come on. So to turn the tables on them, we are now stealing their content. Gentlemen, welcome to the Beef Zone. The Beef Zone. The Beef Zone. The Beef Zone. Brandon, what kind of beef have you been eating? What kind of beef have I been eating? Yeah. You don't mean real beef, do you? No, no, no. This is, this is literally real beef. Look, I'm going to tell you guys, usually we don't eat that much meat at my house, but I made a real nice pot roast the other night. It was delightful. Will, you got some beef for me? Um, not, not too much. The type of beef needs to be very, very specifically cooked. Like, it can't be too chewy. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of beef kind of is too chewy. More like a pork kind of guy, but, but beef. Is a... <laughs> yeah, fair. Piglet. Brandon, you got some beef for me? Ah, uh, what did I have? Not lately. I've been ribbing it lately. Going vegan. That's all good. Ew, no, no, why? <laughs> why would you even? No, I'm I'm a street carnivore, top of the food chain type of guy. That's Vegan the is just I know. not even in my vocabulary. The fact that you made me even utter that word, I'm just upset. Oh, all right, all right. Um, the beef I was going to tell you about was Game Changer. That's serious beef right That's there. a good beef, but let us conclude the beef zone. Gentlemen, that has been the beef zone. Game changer. What's up with that? Well, it seems fine. It it just won <laughs> worlds. I mean, no biggie. Yeah, no biggie, right? I mean, where where do we start? It's so it's interesting because I will say I will say that after having lots of conversations with people, my stance has maybe softened since how intense I was about this beforehand. What's a good thing we have the world's premier Game Changer hater with us. Will, what's wrong with Game Changer? Okay, here we go. So the issue with Game Changer is that it creates a win condition based off of the runner scoring agendas. Yeah. So 
so so here you are, Phil. So you're at your game night or whatever, right? Your your local meetup with your group, mm-hmm. and you're playing some games. And somebody you don't know walks up to you guys, looks at your game, and you're like, "Wow, this is a cool game. Can you tell me about it?" Right? And you'll probably tell them like a little bit about the lore and how cool like the setting is, and then you'll probably talk to them a little bit about like what each player is trying to do, right? And, and then you try to explain how Haspiroid has this, like, robot football league and nothing makes sense. Yeah, then you stumble and then they're never interested in the game again. Exactly. So, so what, so how, what this conversation will look like, uh, and let's just, let's just talk about the runner. So you're going to talk about corp win conditions. Sure. You're talking, then you're going to talk about runner win conditions. And if you think about what kind of runner win conditions there are, really, there's two. There is you scored seven agenda points Mm -hmm. or you mill the corp. That's the only two ways the runner can win the game. Yep. And the second one, milling the corp, can only be done if your deck is specifically built around it. Otherwise, your chances of milling the corp when you're not built around that game plan is like 2%. It's not happening. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, So unless your deck is built to mill the corp, you are going to win by stealing agenda points. And then they're like, cool, well, what is the best deck? I want to play this game. And you're like, well, the best corp deck is a corp deck that wins the game when the runner steals agenda points. And then you're like, wait a minute, didn't you just say that the runner wins the game by stealing agenda points? And you're like, yes, except in this situation, the corp actually wins. (laughs) They don't win yet. They need to play a game changer, a card that right. has a huge trash cost of two. There's counterplay here. Look, I hear ya. Even Limes, winner of Worlds, Limes, hates the decks he built and played. I get it. But the counterplay is there. You trash their shit. Look, had anyone clotted him, that puts a big wrench in the game plan. Like, it's not... Corpse. Shaper good, though? No, Shaper sucks. <laughs> We've covered this. <laughs> Official Shadownet stands. Shaper sucks. But look, if you had Shapers with Clots, a couple of... Oh, fuck. Morgan's gonna be mad at me. Simulchip? Simulchip! Oh. oh, it's Simulchip. It's Simulchip. A couple of Simulchips? You know, you don't have the infinite recursion combo with Breaker Bay Grid anymore. It's a different ball game, so to speak. Sports analogies. Like, there's ways to throw wrenches in this corpse game plan. It's just that 90% of the field was Econ Runner Crims. Right. Oh. So, so, if, so if you think about what especially commentary said about it as people were watching the game. Okay, so first I'll talk about the fact that Game Junior trash cost and costs a lot of money. So there is stock buyback. There is fast break that kind of gives you money, but it's mainly stock buyback that gives you money. Yep. And you can't crash stock buyback. And there is archive memories, which is the biggest thing about having a trash cost on Game Changer, because that doesn't matter if yeah. you have archive memories, which is just a click to get it back. So you're basically like, if you find the Game Changer and pay two to trash it, they have to spend one extra click in order to get their Game Changer to go off. Okay. Now, if you think about all the things that you just talked about with Clot and all the things that the stream talked about. So if you go back and you watch the stream, um, Andre and the other people who are commentating were like, all right, you got to get your imp. You got to imp the archive memories. You got to imp. You got to trash the game changers. You need to imp the stock buybacks. You need to stargate the all the cards that I just talked yep. about. So uh, maybe you got to embezzle them. The issue is that everything that we just talked about, so imp, stargate, embezzle clot are cards that you need to have to have a chance at winning the game okay so if you think about so if you compare clot let's just talk about clot for a second if you think about clot 
and Titan Fast Advance, okay? If I'm playing Clot in my deck and I'm against a Titan Fast Advance player, I have played a tech card in my deck that basically, like, the way I play this whole game changes, and I have, like, a card that, that stops their game plan, right? Now, if you compare that to the Sports Metal deck, like, the Sports Metal deck, you're, you're gaining a lot of clicks, so you can still purge and score. Like, it, obviously, it's a lot harder, um, but you're stopping, like, you're hindering their there's like score to win get over the finish line moment right yeah but but you have to think about like what's going to happen between the start of the game and that moment so are you going to run and steal their agendas if the answer is yes then you're just going to get a bunch of agendas because if you think about their agenda suite so if you have three vacherons and vacheron is what pushed this deck over the top for me mm-hmm. is that it, you have a three pointer that is worth zero for four turns, and like the this corp deck really needs so many agendas in your score area before they're just turned on and they can go. Four is the magic number, right? And and if you think about the other tech cards, so you think about imp, you think about the things that trash operations. What you need to understand is that you need to trash the operations, which means you need to access them mm-hmm. and not access the agendas. Yeah, because you need to. If you take the agendas, so so if you like install your imp and then go and run places, if you hit an agenda, like you either imp it and then you have to like try to imp your way to seven points all, all in a turn, which is very very hard. Because they'll just archive mem their Vacherons back to their hand, right? That's the counterplay to trashing the Vacherons. And, like, you have to somehow imp the operations without stealing the agendas into your score area. And if you think about the chances of that, there are 14 agendas in the deck, and there are three news teams, and your target operations is three game changers, three archive memories, and let's even add in the three copies of Stock Buyback. I think there's three. So that's nine operations that you want to hit and 17 other cards that you don't want to hit. <laughs> even if you have like a decent number of imps, like your chances are still pretty bad, right? And like the main issue that I see with it is that we're talking about you having an improved chance at winning the game, but still a less than 50% chance if you have tech. And if you think about like what a normal standard runner should be, yeah. if you think about the, the core of what runner is, okay, is that you have money and you have icebreakers. That should be the core of what runner is. Um, and like, you know, and if, and if you think about the flip side, corp, they have money and ice, but corps can choose not to have ice. And that's in the past, that's okay, because if you don't have ice, you're kind of like hindering yourself. But in this deck, it just makes sense not to have ice. But even that is okay. Like that's, that's cool. Like you're playing no ice. The runner's icebreakers are useless. Yeah. That, that's okay. Right. But, but the issue is that you can't build a generic runner deck without tech to make this matchup possible. Right. If you think about Krim, so everything that we just talked about, um, in terms of tech cards, comes out of Anarch and it comes out of Shaper, which means that if this if this game changer sports metal deck stayed in the game, that means that Krim is unplayable, Apex is unplayable, Sunny's unplayable, and Adam's unplayable. So that's more than half of the runner factions is unplayable. Look, I feel like you're you're glossing over a bit of a tech card here. Brandon, you wanna fuck him up for me? Do it. Okay. Yes. There there's a couple of tech cards that are Pretty good in this matchup. Artist Colony and 
data dealer, of course. Yeah. I, uh, I, I like that we had this whole conversation just to petition for the unrotating, the unbanning of the shadow net. So let's be clear on that. Anyways, 100%. continue. <laughs> 100%. No, challenging that should never be free. <laughs> yeah. The thing about Data Dealer and Artist Colony are just cards like you're like, am I really going to use this in any other situation but this? Right? I think, though, it's been brought to my attention. Here's, here's the one argument that, like, I've heard that is, like, legitimate where I'm like, okay, fine. Most people's argument was just like, haha, funny deck, like, one world, and people love that. Because, like, you know. 85% of the community is not like uber competitive. So they were like, they'll, they'll cheer for that. They're the ones who are like, yo, we want to see Apex on table 25, like that group. So yeah, that's I just, fine. I just want to piggyback on that for a second. Yeah. So I think I totally agree that the, this, the majority of people are like, that's a cool deck. It's a cool combo. And like in most people's minds, it's like, that's like a combo deck that won and it's like unique and that that's cool. Whereas like the stance that you kind of, you kind of see Brandon and I come from is kind of that if you actually think about when you play against the deck, you need to have tech cards and if you don't then it's like a really really negative play experience as the runner because if you do nothing you're gonna lose and if you run and steal agendas you're still gonna lose Ah. yeah and no and i think also part of it is i think the people who feel like the deck is fun are looking for like a fun corp deck to play Mm -hmm. (laughs) right you know i was it was funny we had a huge there's a group of people we had a huge discussion about this and it was like the one thing that was brought up was that, like, even if I do find all my pieces or I do have my tech and I play, like, the game isn't fun to play against this deck. Because the deck really doesn't do anything. It's one of the most autopilot decks I've ever seen <laughs> in Netrunner. And it's funny, I say that because, like, you know, the one thing that I love about Netrunner, because I came from Yu-Gi-Oh!, is that, like, you you really have to make so many decisions, and those decisions can win you or lose you the game, right? And I think the one argument, though, that I do like for this deck is that what the deck says now, playing this deck, is that, like, we're playing a different game, right? We're playing a game that's not all about value. Could you say uh, this card is a game changer? <laughs> got him um we're playing a game that is not all about value and so like you can't just outvalue me and i think the other part is that like for the new players there's the flip side which is now because you're better at the game than me and you're more experienced and you know how to play the value game it pretty much means i'm gonna lose most of the time if i'm a new player but this says that's not necessarily the case anymore. We're playing a different game. And I think that does need to exist in Netrunner for sure. Like other ways for Corp to win the game more than just like, okay, Runner has all their breakers. They have more money. Like this is an eventuality, right? Okay. Wait, 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 wait. I, I, so, so I want to ask the question that is probably burning in all the listeners' minds. What yes. is this game? Well, Whoa. And this is, yeah, but this is what Nisei is trying to steer, right? Like, what is Netrunner? What is the soul of Netrunner? Are we a game about just pure econ? Is it just, you know, value town? Or... Is there other ways to play the game, right? Like you said, hey, if you don't have a deck optimized against this and you're a new player, but like, 
you're a new player and you play against CTM, you're going to be like, wow, fuck this game. You can't do anything. I, see, I don't know. I've never seen it that way. When I'm trying a game, right, I always go into the game with the idea that I'm going to lose a lot before I get better. Oh, yeah. Is that not correct? Right. So, like, this idea of, oh, I'm going to play against this one deck and never want to play again, like, no, I mean just i hope that's just not your overall attitude and <laughs> life in general like or there's a reason good, good luck to you <laughs> there's a reason for new player formats is because yeah stuff like this where you need a deep knowledge of the card pool and how things interact to have an appreciation yeah. for it that being said like does this have a place in the meta in my eyes absolutely and i think the real genius of limes is threading the needle and you know, if this deck was actually, like, super unbeatable, people would attack against it. You'd see Data Dealer everywhere. You'd see Shapers. But he saw the writing on the wall, and the wall said, Asa! Everyone thought Asa was gonna win. Except my boy Tristan LSTM from the Kitchen Table Netrunner freaking called it out. Iceless Sports Metal. He said that shit is unbeatable, and he was right. So... I think it was just a fantastic meta call on Lime's part to say, hey, everyone's playing Value Runner. They're all crims. They're all bravadoed up. I'm going to play something that money doesn't matter. So I'm going to give a shout out to somebody who has, I would say, some some great foresight. And you said LSTM. And I'm going to say Brandon right here was indeed warning all of us about this deck in the lead up to Worlds. And yes, like what you just said about playing Shaper, playing data dealer playing artist colony to me those are like the ones where you forfeit agendas are the true tech cards for this deck like imp is not a tech card for this deck like having having imp you still need to be extremely lucky in your accesses and imp is just like a generally good card and so it's not like it's not like a tech card for this deck so in talking about like shaper and like the things that forfeit agendas the issue with all of that is that it makes your deck worse in every other matchup so like if i'm putting a data dealer into my leela deck i have now put a dead card in my deck for every game that i've played except for the game that i play against game changer sports metal and even in the game against game changer sports metal i somehow need to find a resource out of my 45 card deck so it's not like a program that I can, you know, SMC for if I'm Shaper or if I have SMC in my deck, right? Like it's still, you still need to draw this card. So I think obviously like your your chances of winning go up by a lot. But if you actually think about a generic runner deck, like a standard Leela, standard Krim, what cards are you looking for in your deck? And there really is only like five. Mm-hmm. There's three diversion of funds for the early game, right? Once they have like a decent amount of money, then the diversion of funds are a waste of clicks. So you have three diversion of funds, and you have two turning wheels. Those are the five cards that are important in this matchup, okay? Maybe Miss Bones. So so maybe there's like five to seven cards. Now, if you have a 45-card deck, are you better off, like once you find one turning wheel, are you better off drawing cards to dig for cards, or are you better off doing something else? And that's like, that's the question, because even if you have data deal in your deck, like you don't know how many times you need to click to draw to find this data dealer. and like, basically, and now, like, again, well, I'm going to go back to what Brandon said about, like, the game is very boring, because then it's just like, is this guy going to find his data dealer? No, Corp wins. Found his data dealer at the right time, runner wins, right? It's it's like a very black and white situation that you've created. And even in the other situation where if you don't have data dealer, and I actually did this 
I wasn't on the mainstream, but I think um, Vesper streamed it. Yeah. In my match against Limes, when I lost in the uh, second to last round of the winner's bracket, I think I played that. I played it almost perfectly. Uh, I could have given myself better chances on the last turn. But with a reg crim deck, which is what I had, your game plan, and there's only one game plan, is unless you want to like just run and try to be lucky, is that you need to find a Vashron, okay? And like, which means you need to find one of three Vashrons out of 14 agendas. And in addition to finding a Vashron, you can't find a Vashron and two other agendas. Well, two is probably, two is probably okay. Two is okay? fine, yeah. But, but as you said, like four is the magic number. So three more agendas in addition to the Vashron is an issue, but two is probably okay. So you have to find a Vashron in the first three agendas that you score. And you also need to find Turning Wheel relatively early. And basically the game plan is get lucky, pull a Vashron, and then sit back and click for four Turning Wheel counters every turn. Yep. So that's, and that's exactly what I did. I found a Futures now, and then I found a Vashron, and then I installed my Turning Wheel, and I spent four straight turns going click for four Turning Wheel cameras. And four turns later, Vashron ticks down, the Corp has scored naked one-pointers off the board, and I have 20 counters on my Turning Wheel, and I'm going in for a 20, for an 11-card R&D dig. So I'm accessing, at that point, it was about half of R&D. And I needed to find three more one pointers. And if you think about that, like it sounds like I'm like I'm accessing eleven cards. You know, my chances are really good. But even with that setup of getting lucky with the Vashron and building up twenty turning encounters, my chances of winning on that turn was still less than fifty percent. And I had to win or I lose that turn because they because I would just pull agendas and they would game changer out right away, right? Yeah. And then if you go and watch that match. I feel like it's more boring to watch that match than it was to watch a game net match. <laughs> right? Because in, in game net, if you think about all the things um, with like the different corps and like the different runner strategies and how game changes based yeah. off the way that um, your opponent is playing. So you mentioned CTM. Okay. So new player goes into CTM. Wow, this is terrible. I can't beat this. Well, you can play the matchup differently, right? You can, instead of trashing their bankers groups, you can sit back and gain more money, okay? If you're playing against DLR Val, DLR Max, right? And that's like, people say like, that's really NPE. But if you think about the corp side, the corp has decisions that they're making that to try to combat this deck's game plan. So they know that they're on DLR and you know that they're on account siphon. So you can do what Chris Dyer did in the finals of 2016, mm -hmm. where his turn one, was put two ice on HQ against DLR Max, right? That was a decision that he made to try to beat this deck. Or you could try to rush out agenda points because you know that they're not going to run too much early. Or you can try to build up money and trash their board. Or you can ice up your centrals and prevent them from installing the DLR in the first place. Those are all options that you can take to try to beat this deck. But if you're up against Game Changer Sports, you have won or lost the game in the deck building phase. And even if like you're playing this red cream like I was, like there was really one thing that you could do. And that one thing you could do is still a less than 50% chance of winning this game. Yeah, I get that. I guess my whole thing is we need, we need diversity in deck archetypes. We need interesting and strong win conditions for everyone. And 
you know, this is definitely one of them that is like nothing other. I'd be sad to see it go. We need an official Shadownet stance on this, though. My extra special guest, do you want to give us an official stance? An official stance. Game changer be banned. Wow. Um, All on you, my dude. So, officially, right now, and this is up to change, Game Changer should not be banned. Game Changer should not be banned. Official now, now, Shadow hold, Net stand. Hold no, on. no, no, no. It's been said. No, there's no going there, back. There, there, no, there's reasons. I can't speak on those reasons, but there is reasons. Scoops, 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 scoops. <laughs> no. No scoops. Yeah. But, you know, we're, we're good. We're good. All right. So, I guess my other part about the whole sports metal deck is like, Part of it was just, like, absolute saltiness. Like, when I would play online, I'd be salty because I'm like, bro, you won the game and you didn't do anything. You didn't do anything that was considered, like, skillful or, like, you didn't, like, it it was just, it's just, it's a horrible experience, I think. Like, whenever you have a combo deck, and it's sports metal, it's beloved, right? Like, the community is going to love it. Like, there's so many things that I've learned about the community in the last year <laughs> yeah in what they like and like what's just absolutely abhorrent like game net i was so sad to see game net leave <laughs> and from my yeah and like from or not leave it hasn't left it's still there but like good luck playing that deck and one of the things was i think when i play against decks that are challenging and i win it feels so much better than like if i played asa and i just happen to like rip two agendas off of R&D naked or whatever. And then I'm like, like, you know what I mean? Like, it was like, okay, what did I learn? Did I actually improve as a player? I felt like playing, playing decks that are grind, playing games that you actually have to manage everyone, your credits and draw and like run at the right time. Like it makes you better, right? I'm into that. And so sometimes like for me, it's a bit disappointing when those kind of decks are just like, everyone's like, ah, but it's boring to play against. I'm just kind of like, you know, as a game that values player experience, I guess that is reason to take away certain cards so that a certain deck is not as powerful because it leads to not great player experience. But like, yeah, it's definitely something to value and balance around as well. That's a right. totally valid thing, I think. Right. So I would say if it was just a game experience thing, I would say that the game changer deck should be bad. But I know that what trumps that is the community's like for something is oh, overrides yeah. that we do so, thrive on hype yeah yeah we do and i think like that deck will get itself hit if everyone sours on it then okay but i think enough people are like you can tech enough people are like this is a great deck it's so fun um there's enough people that keep that there that you know at the end of the day who am i to take away from <laughs> yeah the people and I don't know. I think next time I will, you know, as Sokka said, I was saying, hey, th- this sports metal deck is a problem. It's pretty good. And it's funny because <laughs> there's people who are like, I don't think so. And then there's people, even the people who took me seriously were like, no, I don't think you need tech because they actually knew that the deck was serious. Oh. <laughs> and they were like, nah, it's fine. You know don't I mean? worry about and it, like, buddy. Yeah, just trying to ruse, like just a super ruse. And honestly, it's sad because I'm just like, most of us were on Crim and the daily dealer was the card. Yeah. And I remember one time I went on Jinteki and I had daily dealer in my deck and I played a lot of sports metal. And I'm like, 
just trying to get people to be like, no, stop, stop playing this deck. We're all playing Data Dealer now. Like, you're done. Stop doing it. But, you know, they slipped through the cracks. I, I, wanna, I do want to say that I did take you seriously, uh, for the record. It's just that I didn't want to play a card that would be dead in all other matchups. And it was just like, I don't remember who said this, but it was like, at tournaments, at the highest level, you just need to weave your way through your matchups because you can't like be really good against everybody. Um, and, and that's like kind of why I didn't play the data dealer is because it only techs against one deck and I didn't want to do that because mm-hmm. it wasn't like explosively popular. Although like with hindsight, it wasn't, but all you need is one successful person to mess that up. But at the same time, like all that had to happen for me to not play against that sports metal deck was for the coin flip to go the other way. And maybe I would have corked against Limes instead. Yeah. Right. So that was like kind of what I was going on. And the reason I didn't want to play that card in my deck and going off of that, the tech card of data dealer is it's only good and it's game winning against sports metal. Whereas like, if you think about other tech cards, like Citadel, right? Citadel is good against many different decks with the tag or meat damage strategy. Plot is good against different decks with the fast advance strategy, right? But Data Dealer is specifically only good against Game Changer Sports. And I think, like, I want to say that Limes, I think, you know, we're talking about, like, how there isn't a lot of, like, decision-making in this corp deck. I do want to say that, like, I think, you know, that I'm not, I'm not, like, we're not, like, trying to throw shade on uh on on limes like i think he made like a great choice playing this deck because that he understood that this deck is like a really powerful deck and he was able to take it and his runner um and and make it to the top 16 obviously and like i think we all kind of like knew that the deck was was present the reason for me why like i didn't look at it was also because of the fact that it just auto loses to data dealer and i'm like i don't want to play a game where it's like do you have a tech card? Did you draw it? If yes, you win the game. If no, then I win the game. Yeah. Right? Like if you're if you're playing against if you're playing Argus and the opponent has Citadel Sanctuary, it makes the matchup better, but it doesn't auto win you the game. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Totally understand. I guess my my uh, the other side for me was I've played a lot, like a, a stupid amount of Jinteki Casual, so like <laughs> take this for what it is, but like I played against the deck with various decks um, before, you know, any tech. And I, it just it just beat me every time. Right. And I'm like, this this smells familiar, right? This is like the time where that NEH deck did amazing in 2019, where it's like, everyone's going to poo-poo the deck, and then it's going to do something. I felt it in my bones. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just knew. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. And, you know, even, like, Eric played a version of the deck. And I'm like, guys, like, if there's exploratory, you know, from, like, you know, Eric, Eric is, like, world-class. This is a deck. This is definitely a deck. And I'm mm-hmm. like, so now you have the choice. It's not like a, oh, you know, what if they play PE? You know, it's, it's this is not what this was, right? It was, now you have an option of putting a card in your deck that is an auto win button. I mean, like you have draw, right? You have diesel, you have three class acts. You're going to find it. Like 
It's an auto win. If you find it, you have to play this matchup. And all your other 44 cards can be cards that you can use to win the other matchups. Because this deck is for real. Did I think it would win Worlds? Okay, no. But I was like, this is a deck that if I know, if I run into, okay, and I only have a certain amount of games that I can lose, otherwise I don't make the cut, and I can't win this matchup, it's going to suck. And the other reason I felt like this was a deck was because... I remember the ban list coming out and being like, okay, you know, there's Asa, and then can Talana and Egg Infusion actually hold their weight? We found out they could, but for the first two weeks, it was like, it was, it was kind of sad. I'm like, oh, I don't really want to play Asa though. And I'm like, someone's going to find a deck that isn't these decks and it's going to be a thing. And it happened. And... I think I think that Hernando Cortez could have been David Dealer. <laughs> we might we might be having a different conversation right That's now. True. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> as, as you being, you know, world champion perhaps. All right. But <laughs> let's let's get off the game changer. We've been talking about game changer for an hour here. Let's it was worlds. Uh we mentioned one character which we didn't take the time to fully appreciate. Andre, host of the Metropole Grid, casting 90% of the tournament? Amazing effort. Yeah, yo, he was going for the whole, like, three days, I think. Going really strong. Fantastic yeah. job. Uh, Nisei as well, another shout-out. I know uh, Manverdup Mike was, man, in the stream, I think, like, 24 hours a day the whole freaking time, so shout-outs to him. So, back to Worlds, though, back to Worlds. Did you guys... Mm -hmm. Did you guys use the spicy tech known as the two for one? Uh, I <laughs> I never needed to. Oh, too good. Um. Oh no no no. Uh, opposite. I mean, I guess I guess I could have. Yeah. But again, never knowing that eleven and three was the answer. You know, I thought at four and four, like okay, maybe you two for one here, but it's it's kind of a long shot. I just kind of played it out, and maybe you know I should have, but it wouldn't have got me anywhere. <laughs> Yeah. Will, how about um, you? Uh, man, you know, this question for both of us is uh I I didn't I didn't need to. So after round four I was eight no. Yeah. And I was the only player that was eight no. Oh sick. And there were like four or five other people that were at that were at seven one. Yeah. And I think after round four it was also like the dinner break. Yes, 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 yes. And it was funny because during the dinner break, so this is what was going through my mind. And I think like I was talking to Brandon after this as well. Uh, and, and Brandon, like you agreed with me, right? And like my thinking was, okay, I'm eight. No, I'm the only one eight. No. And everybody else that I could be paired with is seven and one, right? So the people that are seven and one in the next three rounds need to sweep one of them and they need to split the other two. Yeah. So. Okay, so you need to sweep one of them, you're going to split the other two. The guy that's 8-0 just needs to ID three times, right? So if you're paired against the guy that's 8-0, they are going to be willing to ID, mm -hmm. right? So you have an option. You can either ID with this guy, or you can play this guy. And if you play this guy, you're either going to get swept, split, or sweep them. Yep. Two of those. So only one of the options, sweeping them, is actually the option where you come out ahead. Because if you split, you probably should have ID'd instead. Um, so that you can like save brain power or whatever. And if you get swept, obviously that's the worst case. So in my mind, I was like, I'm the only one eight no. Whoever gets paired against me is going to accept the ID because, and the reasoning for that is, as I said, if you're seven and one, you need to split two rounds and sweep one more round. So if you ID, you're going to get one of the splits. So if you want to play, that means that you think you're going to sweep this guy. 
and you're going to go into this match trying to sweep the guy that the one guy that's 8-0 instead of splitting and then trying to sweep somebody else, right? Like, I don't know, like, in my shoes, if I was 7-1, I would have accepted the ID, and I just kind of thought everybody else would as well. Mm-hmm. So, so, Plot twist! <laughs> so during the, like, 40-minute or however long break, I was, like, talking to, like, my teammates and, like, talking about their situation, what you should do if you're paired against each other, that kind of stuff. And I, like, sat at my desk, didn't get food, didn't go to the bathroom. <laughs> Rip. And then, we, and then we start the round, and then we start the round, and then I'm like, all right, so you so you want to ID? And the guy's like, uh, no, I think I have to play it out. And I'm like, crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I totally wasn't prepared to play. But yeah, so I, was, I, I swept four rounds, and then I basically split round five, and then ID'd the next two rounds. So I did not have to two for one. Uh, our Canadian champ. Congratulations, but I just want to tell you, that was a, a horrible answer. Both of you, failure. <laughs> Because look, I'm I'm a sensitive soul. I chose the devil's bargain, the spicy two for one versus several people while I was playing at Worlds. Because look, not that I was doing good, but I was gunning for those atlases. That was are those six wins I needed, maybe? It wasn't very much wins, but I needed all the tech I could use. And look, I finally won a two for one, and I felt so bad. I was like, oh, I just I just stole a free win off this poor soul. Like, ah, oh. there was a lot of survivors two for one guilt. Have you guys? How do I process this guilt? Um. Well, let's talk about the guilt. Yeah. Why? Why do you feel guilty? I feel like because I offered the two for one for my selfish needs to win alt arts, and then it just like ripped that extra win off this person, leaving them in the hole of four wins while I ascended to the glorious position of six wins. Yeah, I was just looking down at them from my pedestal, which was not as high as other pedestals, but still higher than theirs. I don't know. There's a little, there's a little like, uh, feel bad for this other person. But like, okay, my question is, have you got, have you received your alt arts? No, Nisei, yes, mail that shit. Oh, okay. So you haven't received your alt arts yet. Okay. So maybe we should have this conversation once you've received your alt arts, right. and we'll see how guilty you feel. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll just wipe the tears with the atlases. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, I think you jumped the gun on this guilt. Okay. <laughs> fair. Any other any other standouts at Worlds for you guys? Yeah, uh, I want to say that. In the in the cut, we had four house hippos make the cut, and four of us lost to lines, and three of us lost to TF34. So house hippos was actually taken down by these two people, basically for the whole cut. And so man, like you know what, they played well. I think that for for me, like the the biggest standout was was the the whole discussion about game changer, obviously, and also. Like the 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 way that the cut kind of made itself out was actually quite interesting because all four of us played limes and like if at any point if at any point any of the four of us had beaten him then one of us would have made it to the grand finals from the winners bracket and like you know I think I think it's like generally understood that if you are into the finals from the winners bracket your chances of winning the tournament are a lot higher than than your opponent right right yeah yeah so like it was we like got full stop by this one person from the winner's side of the bracket because if you if you go look at that bracket limes's road to the finals was against dave laird from victoria 
Ian from Vancouver, myself, and then Aaron. Uh, and that's the four matches he played to get into the final. God, just the destroy of Canada. Are we are we painting a target on his back? A very Canadian target? Like, take this. I don't... Is he a dude? I don't know who Limes is. We'll have them on this show at some point. Are we painting a big target on Limes' back? Shadownet stance. That's yes, for sure. Hell yeah. All right. <laughs> Posted um, bounty. Yeah. <laughs> One of my standouts, uh, Janktivis, you're a bad, bad, bad person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what happened? Do you want to give context? Oh, oh, he got me good. The times the times where you draw your secret tech cortex lock in Asa and you're ready to just Ooh. do them dirty. And you say to your dear Oracle, huh, I think Apocalypse is coming. And then you res- and then you proceed to not ice archives with this cortex log, oh. and then your board blows up, and once was a promising tournament ended up being just 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 another memory oh, <laughs> of so the sad. time you failed <laughs> due to the what is it a USB stick in the parking lot? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> you know it's funny because a lot of people listening to this will be like. That was definitely like I deserve that because like I feel like all of last year I just played eight times. Coming back at yeah, 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 just boom, and I'm like, oh, feels bad. The other moment I had that I enjoy is that I did manage to take down one of those sports metal game changer decks at Worlds, even though I was out of contention at that point. I was like, yes, <laughs> burn this deck to the ground. See, it's um, not that good. Stop it. It was it was a, it was an iced version. I guess like the other part is, you know, I know in previous podcasts there's been talk about like testing groups. And yeah. I think one of the advantages that like is so great that it's never like really brought up is like, I don't know, you know, after the fourth round, you know, I was realistically out of it, like mathematically, but like getting to enjoy my team's success and their joy, like, you know, if it was just me. Like it's been in the past, you just, I don't know, you're just, you're just sad, <laughs> you know, like, you're like <laughs> oh, God, this is, this is awful. But like, you know, I'm in there game planning with the team and they're doing amazing. And like, you feel like you're, you know, you're a part of the ride. You feel like you're having success, even though it's personally not you. And it's great to just have a team that supports each other and, you know, roots for each other and you know, is there for each other. And so I think that is a big advantage that is not like pointed out. In those yeah. yeah, I do want to I do want to say, yeah, like thinking back, I'm very, very thankful for that aspect of the group and about what you just said about like specifically like your support through that weekend for sure. Thank you. Okay, this is terrible. The official shadow net stance is that testing groups are ruining the game. You guys, uh-huh. throwing that in my face here. Is it just a community aspect, or do you think there's actually more value to to testing groups that has been discussed? Uh, so, go ahead. Sir, go ahead. Oh, no, no, you, you, you go. <laughs> you guys yeah, are too I, fucking nice. I, I, Stop it. Well, I mean, what you, you said that Shadownet's a Canadian podcast, right? <laughs> right. What were you expecting? I mean, you know what it is. It's just again, you've been spoiled by Eric for too long, and he's just the Canadian is just being drained out of him, just <laughs> yeah, slowly the, but surely. And now, now you have been brainwashed, and you think 
that that's what that is and it's not it's not that's that the, that's the title that's the title of this podcast it should be the un-americanization of the shadow <laughs> <laughs> well it is now <laughs> so i think that like the past discussion about testing groups was really like in a very like negative competitive focused light and like for some reason being a part of the testing group takes away from like your 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 individual community um and i think like eric actually talked about this is that he he identified a mismatch between like the people who want to be competitive and the people who are there to kind of like have fun with things that are not competitive yeah right like it just it just doesn't make sense for these two people to prepare for a tournament together because one player is like this deck is fun i want to figure out how to make this deck have this card in it and the other player is like well that card is bad and like and that's kind of like the extent of the conversation so i think that if you go at testing group um not as like you know just this like really competitive blocking other people out kind of group i think like the way that house hippos is kind of built is that like it's built on people wanting to improve is how i see a testing group is that there there are people who are looking for players who want to get better at the game they're open about other people's suggestions and like you just you're just looking for input on your decks and like how as a player or your deck can get better now there is like a little bit of you know if you're somebody who's like this deck is the deck that i want to play it's bad but i don't care what you think then like you know it it doesn't it doesn't fit and like there isn't a way to make that fit even if you're you're, like in your individual communities because it's still just not going to be too much interaction with that right but if you actually think about like if you look at what house hippos did for worlds i'm not going to count out everybody that that's on the team but everybody who played played a different deck everybody yeah and and if you actually look at like brandon and joe known as salamir who played on day 1b they both played rococo asa i believe they were still different lists but that was actually the only instance actually there's one more instance where i played leela and, and brandon played leela but we also played different lists so we played a different list Leela and a different list Rococo Asa within the group. Every other player had a different ID. So they weren't even like the same deck at all. Like they all had different IDs. So basically we kind of went at worlds like, what deck do you want to play? And like, how do we make your version of this deck the best deck that it can be? And like kind of supporting each other through that. Whereas I think like most other testing groups kind of like identify what the best set of decks are like for in terms of corporate runner and then they like all play that you know yeah right i also want to take it like further as well you know i think maybe there's a misconception as well and maybe i had this misconception you know i was talking to analyze chris from the stair bears and i'm like so you know when does your team start testing again like you know is it store champ season he's like no <laughs> he's like I'm having store champs with those guys. I'm trying to beat them. There's no way I'm testing with them. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. It was like, then if that's the case, your testing group gets together and they really test for things, right? Like there's two to three tournaments every year where you get together and you really buckle down. And for the rest (laughs) of the year, you just, you're cool. It's cool. It's whatever. Like right now we're, you know, we're doing a, a like a draft league, you know, like it's just just having fun. And I think that like I think you can have both. You can you can have fun. You can have when it's time to do do and be your best and like winning time. 
you try to do what you need to do to put yourself in those situations. And, you know, there's time for fun. And like, there's times where we get together and like, we don't even play Netrunner. We just talk, (laughs) you know, like, um, and I think maybe, maybe testing groups, you know, maybe they've evolved from what people have kind of seen them to be in the past, or maybe, you know, some things have happened that have been really negative. I think if people are clear and they're transparent, everybody kind of knows where everyone's coming from. I, I think you can avoid those problems. And I think you can still have a community and players in your group just under the understanding that, hey, when it's a huge tournament and we do what we do, we keep it indoors. That's really all it is. You know, like, that's it. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, it has to be this big, crazy source of negativity. Or there's the idea that, like, all these groups are going to come up and then, you know, it's going to be hard for, like, you're just going to have all the competitive players in, in these groups. And I think it's so interesting because as a player, that was, you know, kind of solo. I mean, like, you know, I played in my meta and, you know, there's good people who play in the meta and things like that. But, like, it wasn't consistent. And I wanted to be, I wanted to get better and get more consistent and, you know, consistently play with people who are you know better than I am and also play alongside with people who are better than I am so I can, I can learn. So I was really seeking something like this out. I think that groups like this are positive in that sense too. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I think that the way that if you actually think about how all the how the different players are in Netrunner, um, there's a, there's like different types of players, right? Like there's some people, as I said, who like they just want to they want to play this game with these interactions. Um, they're interested in the game mechanics. They want to have fun. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. Right. And there's also people who are like they're, you know, some people like they, they don't like they don't care if they're like quote unquote like good at the game or not good at the game um they just they they're just enjoying the game whereas like other people are like i want to be the best at the game or i want to improve at the game so if you think about like your communities and like how you know testing groups are tearing apart communities like so if you think about like no testing groups you're just in your community you if you're somebody who wants to like get better at the game you're going to talk more to the person who also wants to get better at the game, or you're going to talk more to the person who really doesn't care how they do at the game, and they just, like, want to play their own decks, right? And, like, you're probably going to talk to the guy that wants to get better at the game. And then, like, basically what you just did was you just made a testing group, right? So I think, like, the stated issue with, like, testing groups is that, like, they're they're exclusive. And I think, like, you don't, like, they don't have to be, is I think where where my stance is. Um, and like when I, when I plug the group, like, this is what I say. And, and Brandon, you mentioned this already was just that, you know, you need to have like a desire to get better because that's what the group is for. That's the purpose of it in terms of Netrunner, at least. And then, you know, if there's like a big tournament coming up, then you gotta, you gotta keep information within the group. Right. Um, and that's, that's like the only two things. And if you like, you know, if you're good with that, then you're, then you're in, right? And like, you don't have to like be really good at the game or like be really established or something like that. There just needs to be like a desire to like improve and like to listen to other people's like su- suggestions or like, and to, and to like to work together, really. Well said. I don't mean, 
I don't know if it's been said before, but I have access to the the house hippo's secret lair. I feel like if we go back to the Power Rangers metaphor, I'm probably that robot that just like stumbles around and gets them in trouble all the time more than anything. But it does feel good. I like it. I I don't know. I just make memes to support you guys. I fucking rip deck lists out of there that I think are good, do bad with them. I'm having a good time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So... So what color Power Rangers are you guys? Oh, I mean, I'm not familiar with it enough to know what color's available. <laughs> okay, don't Eric on me here. He doesn't know months. I don't know if he knows colors. You know colors, Will. <laughs> are all colors available? I thought, there isn't there like only five Power Rangers or something? Look, this is this is the Canadian version. We can do whatever the fuck we want. I, I want to say purple. Um, and like purple's like been always like my go-to color. Purple like represents and it kind of like shows... Something about... About how much you like Hospiroid? That <laughs> is true. That is true. Um, it is how much I like Hospiroid. But it's kind of like something more about like planning ahead and like thinking through everything more than you really should kind of a thing. Brandon, oh, what colors are spandex? I, I, ha! I thought, I thought it was because purple's like red and blue's child. So it's like Ooh. the power of the, the greatest power. I'm red for sure. Hell yeah. Absol- absolutely. No questions asked. <laughs> Sweet. Red to the very core. All right. Any Thank last you. shout outs? Wait, I feel like I forgot something. Hmm. You guys? Uh, Eric's tournament. Definitely. Oh, oh my God. Get that's exactly that. what it was. Get right. <laughs> Come on. Eric Whiteblade currently exiled to Australia for winning the APAC tournament, but maybe he'll be back someday. He's running a charity tournament for the Winnipeg Hemophilia Society in a special format called Throwback, which is basically just standard plus one rotated card. It's a lot of fun. I've been having a lot of fun testing for that format. I'm hoping I'll get to play in it. I don't know what my schedule is like, but uh, how about you guys? Yeah, no, I have the I have the same thoughts. Great cause. Definitely looking to support that. And I'm having fun testing for it too. I haven't done a lot of testing for it. I know that there's other people that are doing quite a bit of testing for it. For, for me, it's like my interest in Netrunner, weirdly, it, it, uh, interest is not the right word. Kind of like engagement is like, I, I very rarely just play a game just because I want to because like there's so much other stuff that 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 I'm like trying to do yeah so for me it's like there's a tournament coming up I'm preparing for that tournament that is why I'm going to play a game on JNet right now and like it, I kind of like need that <laughs> for me to like play the game but but like and, and that's like kind of like my source of my, that's where my source is right now is that is that charity tournament I do have a question for you guys though two-parted question two-part question um the first question is why is clot not banned in this tournament clot is the whole point of the tournament because he can't right. clot so you need we need to bring all our clots for him okay okay so right so 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 that's my second question okay so it's not banned so so then the question is do you win the tournament by bringing clot or do you win the tournament by not bringing clot mm. because Dang, that's a, maybe that's the riddle we have to solve here because because if it's if it's like it's a tournament that is for for charity for the hemophilia like society like should there be clot in the tournament you don't want to show off saying look at all the clots i have while you have none right right hmm. yeah rip brandon you got a hot take for us all the clots all the clot solid solid okay 
So so here's the so here's the shadow net stance is that if you want to win this charity tournament, you must have Claude in your deck. Minimum three Claudes in your deck. Do it. <laughs> Can I That's, say one more thing? Yeah, no, the floor is open to you. Always my extra <laughs> well, special guest, Brandon. One more thing is, I feel like you know for the near future, I will be filling in for our our once guest who's been sent to Australia, uh, Eric Whiteblade. So. Things you like, tell me. Things you didn't like, things I can work on, get better, let me know. Okay, we're not changing the show that much. No, commit, Brandon, commit. No feedback. No feedback, man. Run run forward with your eyes closed. (laughs) You know, I want to gain the, uh, I want to know the, you know, how people are feeling about it, right? Because, you know, Eric's, he's like, he's a legendary dude, so... You know, I want to provide. I want to provide some legendary look, as well. Look, you you told me you went claw to claw with the quali, and you're saying these shoes are too big to fill. I I don't I don't believe. I it. never said. I never said that. I never said that. No. I, oh, I misunderstood that whole segment. I think so. I I just think you, if you know me, you know the willingness to get better, and so I'm going to put myself in a position to do that in everything that I do. So that's why I made that statement. Hell yeah! All right. Give us, give us a rating. Don't give us a fucking iTunes rating. No. Give Brandon a rating. It better be a good one. Oh, if you give Brandon a bad rating, I'm coming for you. I don't care if you're limes or not. New target. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks again, everyone. And I think we'll wrap it up here. Later. Thanks, Phil. Okay, okay. We're all in the draft league together. Do you guys think I will win? Oh, no, 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 no. No, no.